Let's pray, shall we, as we consider God's Word. Father, we ask this morning as we uh, hear what the wisdom of the Bible teaches us about wealth, we ask, Father, that you would teach us to see money rightly, that you would remove its grip from our hearts, that you would take the love of money away from us, and that you would give us hearts that are so generous, so willing and desirous and excited at the thought of using your wealth for the good of others. And we ask this, Father, that in our lives, your love and your generosity might be displayed in this way. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Who wants more money? Anyone? I mean, you, you, who, who wants more money? Right, so for those of you who don't, uh, do you feel like you've got enough or that you've got too much? I, I must admit, I have not yet met anybody who has said to me, David, I feel like I have too much money. I try and get rid of it. I'm just desperately trying to get rid of it and I can't. I have too much. Okay, if that's you, uh, I reckon there's a few people in church who'd like to meet you. So just come and, um, come and say day afterwards. And uh, I'll, I'll tee you up, right? It's, it's, we never quite seem to have enough. All of us would be happy to have one more dollar, ten more dollars, a hundred more dollars. All of us would be happy to have just that little bit more wealth. I've had a very strange experience this week preparing this sermon. I, I'm convinced that Facebook is stalking me somehow. See, somehow through about the middle of the week, all the ads on my Facebook feed suddenly started being this. I have never bought a, a lottery ticket or whatever it is that you do to enter these things. Right? I've, I have never participated. And Jeanette, do you know what started to happen? I found myself thinking, oh, 40 million? Hey, that's a lot of bickies. I reckon that if I went in it, I'd win it. I honestly found myself thinking that. I was like, oh, I wonder how you go into these things. I've never done it before. Do you, do you have to scratch or sniff a thing or something? I'm not quite sure exactly how you do it. Right? I know how much of a waste it would be to put my money into this. I know that the odds of me winning are less than the odds of me getting struck by lightning multiple times. I know these things. And yet still, my heart wanted to maybe pursue a little bit more wealth. And it's so foolish. The allure of wealth is so powerful. And yet, it brings nothing in the end but misery. We know that money doesn't make you happy. Arnold Schwarzenegger very famously said that. There you go, that bloke. He's the one we want to go to for wisdom. Because uh, he lifts heavy things in his underpants. Arnold Schwarzenegger said, money doesn't make you happy. And then he proved it. He proved it. He said, I have $50 million and I'm no more happier than when I had $48 million. <laughs> yeah, all right, thanks, Arnie. You're not much use, are you? And yet it has this powerful allure. It... We want more. Now, this morning, as we think about money, we're going to look at the wisdom that God has to offer. How is it that we are going to go about honouring God with our money? Well, actually, honouring God with his money. It's not ours. And I've got three things I want to say this morning. The first is this. Money is good. 
Money is good. Now, like last week, we've got a whole stack of Bible passages that we're going to look up. I'm going to put most of them up on the screen so you can read along with me. A couple of them I'm going to invite you to look up. If you're a fast Bible flicker, then, uh, then come and look them up. If not, then by all means, just go writing them down as we go and go back and read over them later on. So money is good. Right here it is, Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 15. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. But poverty is the ruin of the poor. There's this safety that wealth gives us. To have money in the bank is good. It's very hard to live paycheck to paycheck. As a young man, I'm sure many of you had this experience. Maybe some of you have it still. You, you, You get your paycheck or your bank transfer, whatever it is these days, right? You pay your rent. Maybe on time, maybe a little bit late even by that stage. You pay a couple of bills, you keep your car on the road, and then you buy two-minute noodles. And that's it. That's as far as your money goes. I mean, that was my life. And then, every now and then, the horrible thing would happen where the car would break down. And that's just, ah, the the, the 500 bucks that I managed to scrape together and I was going to do something fun with, well, that's it, it's gone, right? It's nice to have a few more dollars in the bank, to have a thousand, to have ten thousand dollars in the bank, to feel like if something goes wrong, my car breaks down, I can fix it. Maybe I can even buy a new one. To feel like problems that the world may bring are manageable because I have the wealth to face it. Money is good. Proverbs chapter 8. If you've got Proverbs open, come to chapter 8 and verse 18. Proverbs chapter 8. Wisdom is speaking, and wisdom says this, With me, with wisdom, are riches and honour, enduring wealth and prosperity. My fruit is better than fine gold. What I yield surpasses choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness along the paths of justice, bestowing wealth on those who love me and making their treasuries full. Now note, wisdom provides something that's even better than gold. You you will gain far greater things than merely monetary wealth. And yet, it does bring wealth. With wisdom, there are riches and honour and wealth and prosperity. God's ways work. Now, this isn't a promise. It's not that you become a Christian and you're going to become a billionaire. It doesn't work that way. But under God, under the sun, in the world, the way he has set it up, God's ways work. Wisdom brings wealth. Wealth brings friends. Another reason why it's good, Proverbs 19. Wealth attracts many friends. But even the closest friend of the poor person deserts them. Now, you can read that two ways. Yeah, you can read it as the fair weather friend, the people who stick around when the going is good and someone else is paying for the drinks, non-alcoholic drinks, of course, because we're all in the challenge for the month, right? You stick around at that time and then all of a sudden they get poor and, oh, where are my friends? They've all disappeared. But at the same time, there is something nice about hanging out with people who have lots and who are generous with what they have. It's fun to do. Wealth is good. Proverbs 22, verse 4. Humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages, right, the benefit of fearing God, are riches and honour and life. Wealth comes from living God's way. 
Or as King Agur said for us in Proverbs 30, to put it negatively, to not have enough, it become poor and steal and dishonor the name of God. Money is good. But it's not, it's not that it's good in and of itself. I mean, money is nothing. Money is an agreement. Money is a contract that we have made as a society that if I give you this random piece of paper, or plastic in our case, if I give you this piece of plastic, you are going to do things for me. That's all money is. You could just as well talk about cows, right? Cows are good if you're going to exchange cows for goods and services. But money is good because of what it can achieve. Money can do good things. Proverbs chapter 3. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. And don't say to your neighbour, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you when you already have it with you. Now, know what he's saying, right? Don't say, oh, later, later, when you have the wherewithal to bless somebody. The point being, you have the wherewithal to bless somebody. You are able to care for somebody else out of your wealth. You are able to be a blessing. Proverbs 11.25 A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. I mean, it comes with its own promise, right? That there's blessing in being a giver. Isn't that Jesus said? So much better to give than to receive. Money is good because it gives us the power to be good to others, to bless others, to care for the needy, to provide for the less well-off. Now, I don't think about money that way. I think about money as the power to do what is good for me rather than the power to do what is good for others. And yet that's how the Bible speaks of it. Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians 4.28. This is one of my, I, I, I'm always intrigued by this verse. Let's see if you can finish it properly. Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer but must work doing something useful with their hands, that they may... What would you think goes next? That they may eat? Yeah. What else would you put there? Oh, someone's read this passage recently, being of help to others. At 8 o'clock, someone said, prosper. That makes sense, right? Anyone's been stealing, stop stealing, go and work and get your own wealth. No, this is what Paul said instead. Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Isn't that a different way of thinking about your wealth? That it gives you the opportunity to care for needy people. If you're a thief, stop stealing. Go get a job and then be generous out of what you have. Or in Romans 12, Paul puts it this way. Never be lacking in zeal. Keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. To be one of God's people is to be somebody who is generous, giving to those who are in need. Hospitality, right? The love of strangers, involving other people into what you have and providing for them. I was challenged a number of years ago. Uh, I didn't know whether to tell you this story or not, given what we talked about last week, because it starts in a pub. But um, I'll tell you anyway. Right? You ever notice when there's a bunch of Christians together in a pub, you ever noticed what happens? 
Right, so it's time for drinks. Uh, these are mocktails, by the way, non-alcoholic. Just we're carrying on with the. And by the way, I was very encouraged last week by the people who came and told me I went and poured. You know, I had a half a bottle in the fridge, got rid of it. It's gone. Right, we're on the challenge. It's going good. I'm very proud of you. Well done. How are you going with the challenge? Just keep banging on about it for the next three weeks. Anyway, a bunch of Christians at the pub. What happens? What do you do? You ever know? You ever looked? You ever just paid attention to what happens? Everyone individually will get up and go and get their own drink and then come back and sit down. You ever notice that? And a mate pointed it out to me. He said, you ever been with a bunch of non-Christians, people who aren't believers and see what happens? What happens? You get there, first bike, all right, I'm shouting. What do you want? What am I buying? Now, there's a problem in that culture as well because what happens next is that you go around the circle and you take turns shouting each other and however many people are in the group, that's how many drinks you're having, right? So it's a bad thing to do that way. But isn't that an interesting mentality that these people think, I, I, like we're here, I want, I want to shout you guys, I want to buy you your food, your drink, I'm, I want to be generous and include you in this moment of fun, whereas the Christians are like, oh, I'm, I'm going to pay my own way, thank you very much. And sometimes maybe one of us thinks to offer something to someone else. And <laughs> yeah, particularly when you're at the steakhouse, right? You see your wealth as an opportunity to bless others. 1 John chapter 3, this should have been in our heads still from last term. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Money is good because it gives us an opportunity to be like God. Generous, sacrificial, pouring ourselves out for the good of others. I wonder what your attitude to your wealth is. Are you first of all thankful? It's a blessing that God's given you. It's a good thing that he has poured out upon you. But do you then see it as an opportunity to bless others? Do Do you get excited about the thought? of feeding the hungry, of funding gospel ministry, of blessing the poor. Do you, do you get excited when someone in the street walks up to you and says, can you give me some money? Or are you like me and the first 50 thoughts you have are the reasons why not? No, it's my money. You're going to use it for bad things, not for the good things that I'm going to use it for. Money is good. Money is good because of what it can do, but money is bad. And money is bad because of what it can do to us. It's good because of what it can do. It's bad because of what it can do to us. Here's a summary from Proverbs 17. Of what use is money in the hand of a fool, since he has no desire to get wisdom this is why money is bad because of what it does to our hearts the person who is so pursued and caught up in the love of money and gaining more and what wealth can do for them that they forget about gaining wisdom that they forget about pursuing righteousness that they forget about living god's ways it's why money is bad because it is so powerful at luring our hearts away from God. It sets itself up as a replacement God. It's like those darn lotto ads. Why are they so appealing? 
because of the promises of wealth, it offers so much. It offers a safety. Oh, if you have enough of me in the bank, it doesn't matter what the world brings. I'll see you through it. It doesn't matter if your house burns down. I can build you another one. It doesn't matter if you have a car accident. I can buy you a newer, better one and pay for your medical bills too. It doesn't matter what happens in life. I've got your back. It promises pleasure. Whatever it is you want. The operative word being whatever it is that you want. Whatever your heart's desires. Money says, I can do it for you. What do you like? What do you like? You like watching movies? I can get you the biggest screen TV at home with the really comfy couch, surround sound, beautiful snacks on one hand and non-alcoholic drinks on the other, right? I can get you... Oh, how many references can I get in? I'm kind of... Yeah, anyway. Yeah. Do you like experiences? Is that what you... Is that what, is that what get your jollies? You just... You get home from one trip and you're like, man, what's the next one going to be? And the only thing you can think about all day is the selfies you're going to take at Machu Picchu next year or whatever it is that you've got planned next. Money says, I can do that for you. Maybe you just really like comfort. You don't like being uncomfortable. Would you like to have a really well-insulated, nicely heated home? On a day like today, tell you what, and money says, I can give you that. You could buy some nice merino socks too, and your toes would be toasty. I can give you power. The ability to exert your will upon the world. To be one of those rich people who just seem to get away with anything. I can do that for you, money says. Just, oh, let me be your God. And the problem is that it is so appealing. But in the end, it is pointless. Proverbs 11. When a wicked man dies, his hope perishes. All he expects from his wealth comes to nothing. All the promises that money makes, whatever it is that's going to pull at your heartstrings, whatever the temptation of yours is to pursue, in the end is pointless because you will die and at that point your wealth it stays behind it's of no use at all it's no use to you it's no use to your children I mean, we might think, no, no, I've got to build up lots of wealth so that I can leave a legacy I can provide for my children I can set them up well but you know what? they're going to die too And that wealth won't serve them either. In fact, wealth may well make your life worse. Proverbs 13, a man's riches may ransom his life, but a poor man, he's no threats. Sure, you may have the wealth that when your problems come, you can afford to pay your way out of them, but the poor person, no one's going to kidnap them. They got nothing. Yeah, sure, you can have the 10 bucks that are in my pocket. I mean, what's... I had someone complain to me recently about their stock portfolio. Their complaint was that if another financial crisis happens, they're going to lose a lot of money. I, I didn't know what to say. You're complaining about how wealthy you are because if the stock market plunges, you're going to lose a lot of money. In fact, the greatest danger in the end is, again 
King Agur, who says to us, right, if God gives me too much, then I may well disown you and say, who is the Lord? I have my God. Here he is in the shape of money. Jesus taught on this. Come to Matthew chapter 19. And if you're a quick Bible flicker, look it up. Otherwise, write it down and go and read it later. Matthew chapter 19 from verse 16. And this is a teaching that is incredibly difficult. Matthew chapter 19 from verse 16. A young man came to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Great question. Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus said, there's only one who's good. If you want to enter life, obey the commandments. All right, well, which one, says the man? Jesus said, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't give false testimony, honour your father and mother, love your neighbour as yourself. Well, all these I've kept, the young man says. What do I still lack? Interesting that he knows he lacks something. Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go, sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And then come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. This idol has a, had a grip on this young man's heart that he could not break. This is the danger of wealth. This is why it is bad. Because its allure is so powerful that we are very quick to replace the true and living God for money. Do you know why this passage is so hard? Because we're rich. Like, seriously, we're rich. Now, some of us, the worst off of us, may be living on some form of benefits, unemployment, whatever it might be. And even then, in world-scale, world terms, we're doing okay. If you own a fridge, a car, and a television, you are in the wealthiest 1% in the history of the human race. Car, television, fridge. You got those? Perhaps you're getting a sense of what the challenge might be at the end of this sermon. Matthew chapter 6. Come back to Matthew chapter 6. I mean, Jesus, Jesus banged on about it. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And down in verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. 1 Timothy 6, as we had read for us, some have fallen away because of this. What does it look like, this idolatry of money, this greed? 
I, I, I almost don't know how to help us see it. When you're in a culture, you can't see the problems of the culture. It, it's very helpful hearing from missionaries when they come back from another culture and they tell us. Oh, it was fascinating. Uh, what was the one you said at 8 o'clock? The, um, the, self, the self-checkout. And just this little transition away from personal moments of personal reflection. These cultural moments that people notice are fascinating. What does it look like? Because we are rich, we can't see it. We struggle to understand the grip that money has on us. I think it looks like getting our security from our wealth rather than from God. From thinking that tomorrow will be okay, that next week will be okay because I have money in the bank rather than because the Lord God of the universe is for me. Of course tomorrow will be okay. How could it not be? He holds everything in his hands. And I am his and he is mine. No, no, but I have a few thousand dollars in the bank. Thank you, I'll be okay. It looked like what we put our time and our effort in pursuing. That we put so much of our energy into pursuing the accumulation of wealth. I want to retire well. I want to be able to renovate my home, build a bigger one. I want to be able to buy houses for my children. I want to be able to go on holidays. I want to be able to have wealth. So I'm going to pursue it and pursue it hard rather than pursuing the kingdom of God and the righteousness that he desires. It surely looks like less time spent in prayer and more time spent watching the stock market. Maybe I can ask it this way. Where is your treasure? What do you value? What's the thing that is the pride of your heart? Is it your collection? Whatever it might be that you collect. You have the premier stamp collection from 1932 to 1938. right? Whatever it is that you... What's your treasure? Is it your retirement? This vision that you have created for yourself of the wealth that you need in order to be able to do the things you want. Is it your experiences? Is it your children? Are your children your treasure? And you will give anything for their sake, including God. You will give him up. Is it your man toys? Or is the thing that you treasure more than anything else heaven? The kingdom of God. The people who belong in it. Yourself. And others. Jesus put it this way. I, I don't know, it doesn't get any more stark than this. He said, if your hand causes you to sin, what are you to do? Cut it off. Why? Because it's better maimed to enter into life than whole to go to the pits of hell where the fire is not quenched. If your hand causes you to sin, what are you supposed to do? No, your foot. That's, that's not my hand, that's my foot. I'm a monkey. Right? Cut it off. Why? Because it's better to go into heaven, maimed, than to hell. Right? If your eye causes sin, what are you supposed to do? Pluck it out. Why? Because it's better maimed to enter into heaven than whole to go to hell. If your wallet causes you to sin, then why would you not cut that off? How much better poor to enter into life than to leave behind all the wealth of the world as you go to hell where the fire is not quenched. Money is good because of what it can do. Money is bad because of what it does to us. See, in the end, God is best. God is best. Entrust yourself to the one who provides. Fear God rather than fearing the circumstances of this life.
Proverbs chapter 11. Wealth is worthless in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. All the wealth of the world, pointless. You're leaving it all behind. But righteousness, that will endure. Proverbs 18. We saw verse 11 before, right? That verse in the middle, the wealth of the rich is their fortified city. I I, I kind of purposefully did that just to catch you out a little bit, right? Because we come back to Proverbs 18, we read from before, from verse 10. The name of the Lord is a fortified tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it a wall too high to scale. Before a downfall, the heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. We somehow get convinced that our wealth is a wall that no problem can cast down. You take your money out of the bank and you bury it in your mattress. And your house catches fire and it's all gone. You buy ETFs because they're the safest form of, of, of stocks that you can buy. Right? The diversified portfolio and I'm going to have stocks in this part of the world and that part of the world so that whatever happens and then the global financial crisis happens and you lose it all. Like, well, I'm going to buy gold. Gold is safe, never going to... And then it gets stolen. Untraceable. It's gone. Now, the wealth is not a fired city. The Lord is the fortified tower. The Lord God of all that is, is the one that we ought to seek. So come to Matthew 6. If you've still got Matthew 6 open there, you're fantastic. Matthew 6 and verse 25. This is instead what we ought to be. Here are what we, our hearts ought to be like. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So don't worry. Saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? The pagans run after all these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. What are you to do instead? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you. Gee, it's a hard passage to believe. I struggle to believe it. Really? God's going to provide for me? Really? God can do this? I mean, the money in the bank seems so solid. I mean, okay, I get that birds live and they don't have bank accounts. I get that flowers look pretty. Sure. And God provides for them. Seek God's kingdom. Live his life of peace and righteousness. Contentment. Being okay with the circumstances that God has placed you in. Would you like more money? Honestly, I think I'd still answer yes. There's something in me that can't say no to that question. And I need to reflect on why. I want you to reflect on why if you feel the same.
Set time aside to think about it. Talk to your spouse if you're married. What's your attitude to money? Now, I really wanted to finish today with another challenge for you. And gee, I thought long and hard about it. Not watching television while we're not there, that'd be an easy challenge. One thing you lack, Jesus said to that young man. Sell all that you have. Give it to the poor and follow me. And do you know how much I wish I had the guts to challenge you to do that? That's okay. I need to trust God too. And that's it, right? My mind goes to the, but hang on, what abouts? And the what ifs? And the what about this? And the what about that? And the, but that young man must have had life circumstances just like we did. That young man must have had responsibilities. And, and Jesus was able to say to him, this is what you need above all else. Come into eternity poor, please, if your wealth will keep you out of there. I haven't quite been able to build up the guts, I'm sorry. So instead I'm going to leave you with five questions to ponder. They come out of 1 Timothy 6. So perhaps this is a challenge, go back and read 1 Timothy 6 a couple of times this week. Spend enough time in it to where you are thoroughly convinced about the dangers of being rich. Here's the five questions. Number one, is contentment evident in your life? Is contentment evident in your life i don't just mean do you say yes if someone asks you are you content i mean is it evident do other people look at you and say there is somebody who loves god and trusts him so much that they're okay with the circumstances god has put them in is contentment evident in your life secondly do you aspire to be rich the answer to the first one should be yes the answer to the second question do you aspire to be rich or to be no It is dangerous. The love of money out of those who aspire to be rich leads people into all sorts of dangers, we read in 1 Timothy 6. In fact, some have fallen away. Thirdly, do you show conceit? Are you a show-off? You're wealthy and you know it. And you can't help but show it. Hey, everybody, look at me. I got the good stuff. Woo! Number four, when in difficulty, do you set your hope on God or on wealth to fix your problems? When you're in difficulty, do you set your hope on God or your wealth to fix your problems? And perhaps here's an easy test. A problem comes up, what's the first thing you do? Do you pray or do you check your bank balance? And fifthly, is there in your life evidence of generosity? What do people around you say? Oh man, he's so generous. He gives and it hurts. It hurts him to give. It hurts her to give away that. It, it, I know how, actually, they're struggling. I, okay, Sue Waddell is not here, so I'm going to tell you about Sue Waddell. Um, she's poor. Honestly, she has very, very, very little. 
And yet, she keeps bringing things for other people. She gives money away. She, she buys meat and gives meat away. She finds clothing for people. She, you be like Sue. Is there evidence of generosity in your life? If you have money and you love it, then you have a real problem. And the cure is this. Give it away. Actually, the cure is find life and eternity in the Lord Jesus Christ. Find fulfillment in him. Get rid of your idol and put a new God into your life. But a practical step to start is give it away. Money is good. It's a good gift from God. It's good for what it can do. Money is bad because of the lies that it tells us. In the end, God well and truly is the best in whom we ought to find our peace and our satisfaction. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that Jesus was unafraid to look into the life of that young man and tell him what the cancer was that he needed to cut out. Father, would you do the same in our lives? The love of money, that greed that is idolatrous. It's so hard for us to see it, Father. We, we live immersed in wealth. Normal to us is wealthy to anyone else. And because of that freedom, it's so easy to get drawn away from you. Father, would you cut that cancer out of our lives before it is destructive? And Father, would you make us generous? Teach us to be like you. With all that we are, with all that we have, with everything that you have given us, to delight in doing good to others with it. And we ask this, Father, because we want you to be seen in us as we live out your ways, showing your character. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.